Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another Hello, episode Nick. with Ronnie and I. Yeah, Ronnie jumped the gun a little there. You seem pretty eager. I'm also pretty eager to discuss this week's rugby. But before we get into that, Ronnie, this week's episode is brought to you by the Rugby Ball Light SA. You can reach them on rblsa.co.za to get your own Rugby Ball Light or join us on Superbrew and stand a chance to win one of three balls if you finish in the top. Now, I just have to mention that Ronnie is one prong short of a full plug. So I must just correct him from last week. The Rugby Ball Light actually comes with a three prong plug, not a two. So Ronnie was a little off the mark there last week, much like he is with the Superbrew picks. Insult me and I expect you to jump in here and, and, and add to what you're saying. So I, I don't, I'm a little bit disappointed because you told me to tell everybody it's got two points. I'm a little bit hurt, right? <laughs> it's fine. I will, I will take the flack for that one then, Ronnie. I'll, I'll admit to that. But yeah, um, how's the week going so far? Chuffed to be working from home considering the price of petrol, hey? I just filled up yeah, my so car now. It was ridiculous. Yeah, so last week I was uh, in the bush in the low felt of South Africa. This week I'm back at Gauteng after coming up to watch a spring box on the weekend. You know, we've just been told we can work the rest of the week from home and we'll only be going to the office from Monday onwards. So yes, saving a little bit of money with respect to fuel. Can't complain. Yeah, and then we're going to go and spend all that money on fuel driving down to Bloemfontein this weekend. <laughs> so it's, it's all, all about balance though, Ronnie, and I think it's going to be worth it to watch the box. So should we should we dive right into Saturday's antics, eh? Past Saturday or the Saturday coming up? Because I can see antics on both ends. <laughs> That's definitely true. But let's let's look back a little bit to the Springboks beating Wales 32-29 at Loftus. We were there with some friends and family. Lack a lack of vibe in the stadium. Full, full stadium, except for the boxes. Weak on whoever owned those boxes. But yeah, how lack was it to be back at the stadiums, Ronald? I think we just have to clarify that uh, when you get box tickets, you don't necessarily sit outside. And uh, so I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they were all standing around the, the bar inside uh, drinking their beers and eating their biltong. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. The game itself was, or the actual event, it's, was was, incre- was incredible. Uh, it's obviously the first time that we've been to the game in a very long time. I, I can't actually do the math. I mean, is it three years since we last uh, watched a game? Yeah, so I actually but, posted it on our Instagram. It was a thousand and fifty days on the dot since we last watched the box play. And you and me were at that game. It was at Loftus as well. Back then, they didn't allow alcohol in the same. You couldn't drink a beer on, at your seat. And, and, and now we're world champions and you could go into the stadium and you can get yourself a beer. I just thought uh, it was a little bit tricky with, you know, 51,000 people there to try and get hold of a beer. The queues were everywhere getting into the gates. So so the various stadiums and their personnel need to need a little bit of practice, I think. Yeah, and um, getting streamlining the process a bit. But I thought, you know, every, or most of the people had managed to get in by kickoff. I think getting out the stadium was quite a challenge. Yeah, great to have so many fans back. Eh? You could feel the vibe. You could feel the atmosphere. I really, really enjoyed seeing all those people, that Mexican wave, the fireworks. It was lacquer. But a special shout out to the announcer for this game because he really made me laugh yes. in the stadium. When, for those of you that weren't in the stadium, they were introducing the players one by one. You know, they come on the, on the, the TV and he'll be like, Malcolm, we'll leave you with Mark's. You know, and see a Baldi Polisi Colisi. And I really, really yeah. enjoyed that. I thought that was quite funny. Yeah, no, that was absolutely well done. I mean, he introduced the Welsh team and basically listed off the names. You know, when you got to the Springboks, every single player, 
you know, had a little something said about them, you know, like you say, Malcolm will definitely leave you with some marks and uh, a lot of puns in there. So us as the punter team were uh, thoroughly enjoying that. But it was exciting. It was it was an explosive atmosphere. The the fireworks, we sat so close, we had all sorts of you know, byproduct from the fireworks landing on us and raining down on us. It was just liquid. I just thought if somebody lit a match, we were all going to go up in flames. But regardless, uh, it was very exciting. I just, maybe, maybe it, it was a little bit too much for the players. It, the crowd obviously helped the players to motivate them along. But don't you think it, it got them a little bit nervous because I think uh, we it didn't start them, off well? I think it maybe made them a little too comfortable because it did it to me. I sat in that stadium next to you. I looked around and I was like, we're going to smoke whales. So I upped my super brew pick. I went, I, I changed it from 16 to 22, sitting there just before kickoff. So it definitely lulled me into a false sense of security. I mean, I, I was I was ready to run through a brick wall as well with all those pre-game psych-ups and with the fireworks and, 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 and the Zulu warriors coming out, uh, running onto the field. I just, I thought, yeah, well, this is going to be hell for whales. And then obviously, Lurie Samet goes in to score a try in the opening minutes of the game and just absolutely silenced 51,000 people. Yeah, I had barely finished telling Opa that he's one of the fastest wingers in the game before he'd <laughs> gotten the ball and dotted it down. So that was quite quick. But before we get into more of the game, can we also just talk about this false sense of security you have at Loftus when you've got a beer in a cup? Because it's got a stupid magnet at the bottom and we cannot be the only people that succumb to this. That little magnet on the bottom, you touch it with your finger once, twice, push a little too hard and then your beer's in your slops. <laughs> so I think you need to clarify for those that don't know what you're talking about, but they fill these uh, at the beer tents, they take these mugs, right? And they, they put them down and it fills from the bottom up. So there's a little one-way valve, that very rudimentary, simple one-way valve with the magnet, pushes uh, pushes the liquid in from the bottom. And then the magnet obviously shuts shuts it from going out the other way. And then, you know, you like you say, you stand there and you just tap it with your finger. You say, what's this little button? You press it and your all your beer just drops out the bottom. So we surely can't be the only morons that do that. Yeah, that's for sure. I think that's something that needs to end. It was there for a while, then it went away for two years and then it's back again now. It's a terrible, terrible idea. Not enough beer could save us from that first half, eh, Ronnie? Yeah, absolutely. 18-3 uh, down at the half. Uh, I I was convinced we were going to lose that game. I I was definitely one of those that you know. I think a lot of most of the crowd were like, "Well, can you believe it? We are going to lose to a team that's ranked ten points lower to us on the rankings and at home." Yeah, we were hyping up, and we were convinced, and the bookies were convinced that we were going to absolutely demolish Wales, and they humbled us. Yep, they really, really humbled us. I must give full credit to them. There's a lot of people going on about how they were in the face of the ref and everything, but. I think for the most part, Wales were pretty confrontational compared to what the box normally are. You know, they got up in our faces, they got under our skin, and credit to them. They did to us what half. we do to other teams. Yeah, they did to us what we do to other teams. Right? You get under their skin, get in their face. You're, you're annoying. You're off the clerk, and you and you you standing up, and you you're pressing the buttons, and you you know you're trying to annoy players like Murray, Torje, and make them lose focus. And and that's what I think Wales absolutely did incredibly well. Yeah, and they then got it right. They got it right. And so we were 18-3 down at halftime and there were lots of people booing out uh, certain players and, you know, you could hear the crowd was not happy during that first half. Yeah, at <laughs> 51,000 silent fans at Loftus. It was unreal watching that happen. You know, we got no ascendancy in the malls. We got 
a little bit of traction in scrums, thoroughly beaten in the breakdown. And then, yeah, we just had no way of generating go forward ball. Kicking aimlessly, I think we need to have a Stupid chat about Elton. Yeah, we need to have a talk had... about Elton. But, but let, let's talk about that, right? So something happened when we came on in the second half. And 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 what what that what kicked that off was Philly came onto the field instead of Elton. So Elton had a, had a shocker. He really had a subpar performance. Yeah, there's no way to mince words about that. What Elton pulled off on Saturday was shocking, absolutely shocking. Yeah, it just didn't it just didn't play to our strengths. And I'll, obviously, I'll circle back to to uh, a young El- Elton later on in the podcast. But it, it just first half is a half I'd like to forget, and I think Elton would as well. Yeah, I think Nick Mallet put it right at the end of the game when he said, you know, that first 40 minutes is the worst we've played since the Alistair Kutsia years because it really was shocking. I honestly as well thought sitting there I was going to watch Wales win their first test in South Africa. It was eye-opening for sure. A point I made last week and I want to hear feedback from you on it now is Franco Mostert at flank. Before I get into that, I have to say I highly rate him as a player, excellent player but he is not the kind of player you want at flank. He doesn't have that extra oomph and insertion into the game. And especially in a situation where you're missing like a Dwayne Vermeulen, it just, it didn't work for me. Look, I may have just, uh, I may have to eat my words as well. I think last, I'm a big Franklin Wilson fan and I agree he's a great player, but you know, Peter Steftatoy, we were also against him coming over onto, you know, taking the seven jersey after playing lock. And we thought he's a lock. He's not a loose forward. And he proved us all wrong. I think Mostert is, can play flank in an absolute worst case scenario. Yes. But he's more of a lock. Absolutely. So, so fair enough. I agree. And then, yeah, good to see, actually, now that you say it, Peter Steph is back this weekend. So that'll be like it to see. Shout out here to Damien Willemser. What an animal, eh? What a beast. Absolutely. Damien, well done. You won that game for the box. Ice in your veins to kick that kick over at the end. And all around, excellent performance. Number of good catches under the high ball. Ran well with the ball. Made his tackles. Very, very impressed with him. Look, there's always going to be people that are pro certain players and then anti certain players. I think I was I was one of those. I was a little bit uncertain about Damien Phillips. I thought, you know, he's moments of brilliance. Fantastic, you know. Um, but you know who's also had moments of brilliance is Kerwin Bosch and players like these that have shown, that have had these brilliant moments, but have never, have been so inconsistent and just really over the long term, you know, they kind of just don't fit the bill. You know, they don't, they don't suit game plans that don't step up. They don't step up and, and, and handle those clutch moments. But I thought Damien Willemser, well done, man. You know, in all honesty, I, I think this is somebody we need to now mold for the next however many years. He's going to be a fantastic uh, resource for the swing box as a utility back and possibly even if we decide to go down the route of making him an established and our regular fullback. You know, it brings me great sadness to say this. I, I really am. But I think Damien Willems' performance on Saturday likely ended the career of Franz Stein. Yeah, I had a conversation with a colleague today who mentioned that Franz Stein is not the Franz Stein that we used to know. And he's, he's still a good player, but he's not that exceptional player that we want him to be. And I, I think you're, you're probably right here. Yeah. Damien Willems has usurped him as the new utility back that, that we can use in the Springbok. So why beat around the bush? Let's develop him. Let's put Franz Stein there as a mentor for him for the yeah. next year or so. And, and maybe include Franz Stein in their World Cup squad, possibly for, for next year, as 
that guy that's going to bring Gies and experience like, two Skull World Brits. Cup trophies like a Skullbritz. You're right there, Ronnie. You're very, very right there. But yeah, it would be sad if that is the case. I mean, the last international game France played was the test against Wales last year. And don't forget, he won man of the match. And then also a player that just needs a mention here because he was uncharacteristically off his game on, on Saturday was Faf de Klerk. Yeah, He struggled with his service. He was in the players' faces sometimes. Then he was not. He really blew hot and cold. But definitely his service was a bit of a concern for me. Yeah, absolutely. He's. I think his combination with Elton just didn't come off didn't uh, very well. The two erratic players, but I'll make a mention of that a little bit later on as well. Faf, he was a little bit off of his game. But uh, look, good to see in this in the Springbok this team this week. We've got uh, two different scrum offs. You know, people will disagree or agree with whatever, but uh, those scrum offs also need an opportunity to to for some game time. Yeah, I agree with you, Ronnie. Well, since we're talking now about the team for this weekend, you know, the box are facing Wales down in Bloemfontein. Should we take a look through the team like we did last week, starting with the tight five? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the type five, Thomas, uh, Thomas the Tank, Joseph Dweber, Trevor Nyukani, Eben Itzabeth and Marvin Ori. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think Thomas, you know, huge unit. He's about 140 kilos. (laughs) (laughs) And Wales lost uh, Francis now to injury of that concussion that he suffered on the weekend. So they've got an even younger front row to face us this week. Thomas the Tank deserving of a start. Trevin Yokane comes in. He was the starting tight end for much of the season last year. And then Joseph Dweb, I think this is his second cap. So exciting front row. And then, I mean, Eben Etzebeth, Marvin Ori reuniting their school partnership. And Ori actually debuted alongside Etzebeth last year. So, yeah, I don't have I don't have a massive problem with one to five, uh, really. I thought um, uh, I thought maybe Lewitt probably deserved another another go this week after I thought he had a brilliant game last week so I would have liked to have seen him in there I don't know if he could have taken out Eben because they don't necessarily play exactly the same roles but but good on Marvin Ori getting an opportunity around there Trevor Nukani yeah he needs uh, he just needs to <laughs> we just hope he doesn't go down you know like yeah. he does usually with but I actually injury maybe maybe a Malcolm Marks you know he also deserves a start but I, I agree he deserves a spot, start, but Malcolm fits that role at 16 so incredibly well. And I think Joseph Dweb is going to replicate what Bongi does, which is hurt you and be so incredibly annoying and abrasive for 50 to 60 minutes of the game. And just when you've finally seen the back of Bongi slash Joseph Dweb in, in this week's game, you come someone like Malcolm Marx, which is just going to smile at you and say, I'm going to take every bloody ball that you have as an exhausted player who's just had to fight the likes of uh, Joseph Dweber slash Bongi, yeah. because I, I honestly see them as two incredibly physical and abrasive players. And this will delight you, Ronnie, because I'm about to call out the Stormers and Stormers fans right now, because I read an article today from the Stormers claiming that they have so many number of Springboks and they included Joseph Dweber in that list because he has signed for them for next season. So just putting it on the record, then Ibn Etzebeth is a shark already. (laughs) (laughs) Well, absolutely. I think just follow me. That's 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 it. The, the Stormers are taking liberties with that. Uh, they can't <laughs> claim to have to have Joseph Dweber but just yet. I am extremely excited by this loose trio, Ronnie. I know you like this loose trio because of one You're particular f- player. I no. think especially that just puts the icing on the cake for you. But the the six, seven, eight is uh, Marcel Kutsia, Peter Steptoy, and Evan Ruiz. So 
Tell me. Tell me why you like this, this trio. This is going to be a bombardment of the rucks. I mean, just look at the power there. You've got Peter Steff to toy, who is going to wreak havoc running with the ball. You've got Marcel Coutier, who just doesn't run out of energy. And then you've got Ivan Ruiz, who's a man mountain himself, running from eight. There is so much speed in that loose trio. I think that they're heavily going to overwhelm Wales at the breakdown. I think Wales need to start Josh Navidi. They have to, have to, have to have something to counter that. Are you done now? Can I add my two cents? Yes, Ronald, you can. Well, fair enough. So I think with all the injuries between Marcel Kutsi and Peter Steftatoy, they could probably combine to create one human, one completely functional human. But uh, I think I think Marcel Kutsi is, like you said, he, you know, he's performed well in the URC for the Blue Bulls. And, you know, he's a veteran. He's been there before. So good to see him there. Actually, I'm not too, not too faced by that. I'm a little bit concerned about Peter Steftatoy. I'll tell you why. Because if you take somebody who's been injury prone like Peter Steftatoy and you just throw him into a very physical game, you know, no doubt it's going to be physical against Wales. Uh, you toss him in as a starting player against Wales. That's looking for, that's looking for trouble. And all but honesty, I mean, I would, I would like to slowly introduce him, bring him on the bench, give him twenty minutes, give him ten minutes, and slowly introduce him to the likes of a physical team like Wales. I don't know if I agree with you, Ronnie, because I mean he's played a full season in Japan. He only had a shoulder niggle last week. I don't think there's a big he's... difference between Japan and Wales, my friend. There's uh, no. from a physicality stand uh, aspect, there's a big difference. No, I think he's going to go all right, and I think. He's an absolute animal. So very keen to see him back in the green and gold. For sure. So I think for me, from, from the, we've just spoken about 1-8. to eight. I would have liked to have seen this 1-8 to eight pack actually start last week uh, or the last game. I think if had we lost with a team like this, that would have been one thing where we barely beat Wales with the team that we did have. You know, I think, I think you could have taken a team like this, possibly won, possibly lost, and then, you know, tweaked this team you know, take on take on this week. But you know, Evan Ruiz while they're getting a shot, that's that's amazing. Well done. So then we we, we move on to the halfback pairing. So that's Jaden Hendricks uh, and Andre Pollard. What are your what are your thoughts on uh Jaden and Andre? Listen, if Pollard even gets one conversion over, he's better than what we got from Alton <laughs> last weekend. So that was always expected from me. Jaden Hendricks, uh, I guess he deserves an opportunity. You know, he scored on debut last year. I do feel like his replacement on the bench, Grant Williams, is the better of the two. But I, I don't hold any any real contentions about him getting a crack at nine. Yeah, I think I agree. Jaden Hendricks uh, might be a little bit more flashy. It might have some flair. Uh, but I find Grant Williams to be a little bit more stable and calm and would make an excellent combination with, with Andre. But look, Andre's in the picture. Andre's going to marshal, marshal that back line. It's good to see him back. I I hope, I hope, he also just, all we can hope for as a bunch of South African supporters is that these guys don't get injured, especially someone like Andre. Yeah. And then let's do back three first. Apalele Fassi on the left wing, Kirtley Arons on the right, and Warwick Galant at fullback. Quite an inexperienced back three, eh? Hey, a little bit of a question mark with Apalele Fassi at wing. It so, seems like the coaches back. have a bit of a, an issue with his positioning on defense at fullback. So I think they're trying to get him accustomed to test rugby on the wing while they work on him on his field positioning but yeah not a wing but very keen to see his game breaking ability 
look for sure he's definitely he's played wing before and uh, i just felt that he's 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 performed better at fullback so why are we playing this guy out of position we have we have other players that can play wing so we don't need to be experimenting like this and maybe try Apalele at 15. Although maybe they looked at it and said Apalele needs some game time, but so does Warwick Kalan. So how can we accommodate both of them? So they, they found a solution to including both of them. Kirti Orenser. So the interesting thing for me here is we know Wales is a, a team that relies heavily on kicking. And have you realized that our back three, the both wings and fullback, are in fact three fullbacks? Three fullbacks. Three fullbacks. That's, so that's that, true. that makes it interesting as well. Well, it's it's going to be interesting to see how both Apalele and Kirti Arnsa, you'll notice that over the last couple of years, we've had our wings cut in and try and cut off that outside, um, that pass to the outside man. We've always, we've always, you know, quite often we've thrown our hands in there and said, oh, my pimpy, why aren't you staying on your wing? Why do you keep cutting in? And, you know, this is the strategy from the, from the spring box to go in and cut off that final pass. Uh, so it'll be interesting how the likes of Kurti Orenza and Apalele Fussy handle that. And are they going to get their timing right? Or are they honestly going to cause an overlap against them? Are they going to be able to defend that as fullbacks, as traditional fullbacks right so yeah. are they going to be able to handle that let's see Warwick Lund, I'm happy for him to get some game time he's obviously played incredibly well in the URC so good to see him there and then I suppose we've we've got the last two centers. last two positions in the starting lineup so that's Jesse Creel at outside and Andre Estes and at inside yeah. Andre the Giant scope. hey yo Andre the Giant I'm super keen to see him jamming it at 12 less so about Jesse Creel I think this team would have been insane had it been Esther Hazen and I'm in the centers. I wouldn't have had a single complaint about the starting side. A little bit of stability as well, because this is a vastly different team. But to maybe have brought in I'm there at outside just to bring a little bit of stability and calm in the back line. Because I think with Jaden Hendricks and Andre Esther Hazen, either side of Andre Pollard, this could make this could either work really well or it can go very pear-shaped. True. So You've, you've got Jaden Hendricks, you've got Andre Esterhazen, and Andre Esterhazen isn't known for passing. So is Andre, uh, who's a big physical 10 as well, he's just going to have to distribute out to Jesse Krill and to Warwick Gallant and, and, and onto our wings. Yeah. So how's that going to happen? I don't know. Let's see. You know, we can, you mentioned Ivan Etzebeth being retained in the starting lineup. He is the, the caller of the lineout, so I assume that that's why he's there, which is why I find it interesting that they didn't select Am again because he's actually our defensive captain. You know, is Jesse Creel assuming that role now or, or what? That leaves me a little bit worried, especially after how those two quick tries Wales scored last weekend. You make a brilliant point there because um, is definitely the, the one that marshals the background, calls him over, moves him aside and, and, and also has that free role of himself, you know, positioning himself in a way to, to defend yeah. things that other people don't necessarily see. So who's taking that role? Because it can't be Andre. Andre's flower from captain. Yeah. So that must be Jesse Creel then if I look at that team. Yeah, that must be. So all in all, 14 of the 15 players starting this coming weekend did not start in last weekend's fixture. So that's that's yeah, a huge a, number a of, changes. of changes. Looking at the bench, you've got Malcolm Marks into Tukum Chunu and Vincent Koch in the front row. Only a change from Chunu there. Ruan Nokia, Reynard Alstadt, Dion Faree, Grant Williams and Damien Willemse. I'm excited to see Dion Faree potentially get his yeah. cap. Imagine facing the starting loose trio and then having Dion Free coming on the field afterwards. I would hate I mean, it. he hasn't he hasn't got enough eyes to the number of black eyes that he gets, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's unbelievable. No, that's true, Ronnie. It is it is incredible. 
So very, very keen to see that. I'm, I'm quite excited to see Ron Nokia get a chance. You know, he played every single minute of the URC for the Bulls. So I think he's he's a workhorse as well. And good to see him get his opportunity before Arkea Snowman returns. If Arkea Snowman returns. Yeah, well, I'm not the pessimist that you are. But yes, ultimately, that is the case. And then, yeah, Ronnie, you and me are heading down to Bloom, heading down early Saturday morning. One of the one of the things why, for just for the listeners, why we started this podcast was uh, because we wanted to we wanted to establish something that would send us to go and watch more rugby. And now we we've we've done this podcast. We have no choice uh, whether we like it or not, but we have to go to Bloemfontein this coming weekend and watch the Springboks because you know it's it's becoming our job now. And I'm very very excited for that road trip, Ronnie. That'll be lacquer. But what are your predictions for this weekend? And this time, I'm going to make mine now without the emotion. <laughs> okay, look, so there's obviously I, I like to wait wait for the Welsh team to come out before I make my predictions. We're recording this on there. What is it? Today's Tuesday. So I, I prefer to make my Super Brew calls a little bit closer to the time. But if I, if I look at this team uh, and I look at what happened last weekend, I'm not going to go out and say we're going we're gonna to clap Wales by 19 points like I think I did last weekend. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit more conservative and say there's a lot of new players here, a lot of interesting matchups that could or could not work. You know, Bloemfontein's grass is very hard and ground is very hard and, and Bloemfontein faithful. How's, how are they going to perform? But I'm going to be a little bit more conservative here and say South Africa by four. I'm going to go South Africa by nine. I just feel like our loose trio is is going to prove the point of difference in this fixture. And Wales, hopefully you don't listen to this podcast, Wayne Pivak, because if you do, you're going to start Josh Navidi. Don't do that. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> and then for all we know, they start the fireworks at the stadium and we both just up our Super Brew predictions, but yeah. let's not fall for that track. <laughs> I'm not going to fall for that again, Ronnie. But yeah, it wasn't only us that had all the fun this weekend. There's been rugby all over the bloody show. Games taking place everywhere. Literally, you could have sat from about three o'clock in the morning here and watched rugby until midnight when Argentina finished playing Scotland. So should yeah, we look you know, at some it, of the it, other games? For sure. Let's jump right into it. So first game being Fiji-Tonga. I mean, it's a little bit uh, sad that Tonga, you know, it sucks when a team gets zero points, right? Not even a penalty or, or any opportunity for that. So Fiji absolutely dominated that. And um, look, we can only hope that the likes of Tonga and Samoa and Fiji with their inclusion with the various uh, teams into Super Rugby can only get better. I think that's that's they can only get better and they will get better. So yeah. let's let's keep our finger on the pulse with respect to Tonga. But, you know, dominant performance by Fiji and well done, done to them. Yeah, and I mean, Tonga had Israel Falau turn out for them, Charles Pietau, Malachi Fekitoa. And I have to apologize to Bernadine, who actually listens to the pod. I gave her some terrible advice to back Tonga for that game. <laughs> so she listened to your advice yeah. because I actually gave her advice as well with, you know, very, very strong nudges in different directions because I kind of knew where she was going. And I was like, no, no, you listen, you got to go Fiji. And I still saw that she went for Tonga. So was that your doing? So she she thought that Nick was better than Ronnie is what you say. Yeah, unfortunately, I have to apologize for that one. And what makes it even worse is that I picked Fiji. <laughs> I, I did I did you dirty there sorry honestly Benedine but you know what Benedine I'll never give you help again if you do listen to this but sure <laughs> carry on yeah then we we take a look at the All Blacks absolutely demolishing Ireland 42-19 I predict so you backed Ireland yeah 
So you back to Ireland, and I know we spoke about it on the podcast with all the COVID and whatnot, up in, and uh, you know uncertainty in the All Black camp that Ireland could potentially win this first one and then lose the next two. But Ireland's performance against the Maori All Blacks is not good. Granted, yes, you could consider them both second-string teams, Maori All Blacks, and and the, the team that played against the Maori All Blacks. But if that's the if that's the state of your second-string team, you know it has to it has to um, present itself in the same to the same degree in your first team. So I just thought the All Blacks were, were going to win. So I backed in and I got that one. <laughs> yeah, that you know, Ireland scored first quickly. Peter O'Mahony and Dan Sheehan had incredible games. But yeah, I don't know why I thought anyone would beat the All Blacks but the Springboks. So well done, New Zealand, on that one. <laughs> I now believe it will be a series whitewash and I'm backing New Zealand this coming weekend. <laughs> smart, smart. Bit of a tougher one to call. Wallabies 30, England 28. Well, that, that game changed a lot. I mean, if you looked at uh, sort of our Super Brew pool that we had, uh, you know, just it fluctuated. At one point, you know, the guy that picked seven, Australia by 17 was was winning. And then at, at the next next point, it was England who, who came back right at the death end. And the guys who picked, uh, you know, Australia by two were getting the bonus points. So, Incredible fluctuations throughout that game. You know, I think what were they six all at halftime, and then yeah. boom, something happened in the second half for both teams. Uh, especially from the Wallabies, a little bit more consistent in the second half, and then England with those with those really with the big big performances right at the right at the death there. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, Quade Cooper getting injured shortly before the game, having to be substituted there, and yeah, shoving a fly off in starting, telling him six minutes before kickoff, listen, dude, you're starting. Very well done to Australia. And I'm sure Eddie Jones is furious, which brings me great joy. <laughs> brings me great joy as well. But yeah. yeah. So then, then we move on to Argentina v. Scotland. Uh, Argentina taking that one over Scotland. Yeah, Argentina 26, Scotland 18. Scotland, I think, paying the price for not taking Finn Russell and Stuart Hogg. Obviously, we don't know what went on there in the Six Nations, but it seems like Scotland's a bit of an unhappy camp at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I thought Argentina, I predicted that Argentina would take the win. Um, I thought it would be a lot closer, although, you know, it's, what is that? Only, let's do a quick math here. That's only eight points, so it's not that much, scoring a bit. But I thought that uh, Scotland would put a little bit of a better performance in. Yeah, you know, what happened to the Scotland team that we were raving about in February when they beat England in the Kolkata Cup at Murrayfield? You know, that seems to have all been lost. It was an interesting weekend's rugby, Ronnie. And most of these fixtures are repeated this weekend. So we're going to take a quick look through our Super Brew picks for everybody. Right then. What have you got for the first one? I'll let you shed the light so, on the Samoa-Tonga game. Samoa v. Tonga. I think this will be a little bit closer than the Fiji v. Tonga matchup, but I'm going to go with Samoa by 12. I've got Samoa by 13. So we're pretty close on that one. Fiji versus Australia, A. Eh? Yeah, it's another interesting matchup, uh, but I think Fiji by one. I've got Fiji by 14. I'm expecting them to, to get some good tries in there. Japan versus France. Uh, well, I'm going to back France by 18. Are you looking at my picks here, or what are you doing, Ronnie? I've also got France by 18. Uh, New Zealand versus Ireland. So I, I, I don't know whether it's either going to be another blowout or semi-blood by New Zealand against Ireland. We'll be a little bit conservative here and say New Zealand by nine. I've got them by eight. So we're very close on that one too. Australia versus England. So um, another tough one. I think this really is 
these are two incredibly closely matched uh, teams here. Probably the most out of any of the other internationals being played and it could really go either way. But uh, home field advantage, you know, the golden rule, when in doubt, pick the home team. I'm going to pick uh, Australia by four. I've got them by two. Springboks versus Wales. So I really, really, really want to say uh, uh, South Africa is going to club Wales by 19, but... You know, I I don't know. It's it's going to be a lot closer. It's going to be South Africa. I don't know, by nine. I think I may have said earlier in the call something else, but you know, as it stands, I'm going to make South Africa by nine. Well, okay. subject to what the Welsh release in terms of their team as well. So, but for now, South Africa by nine. I've also got the box down by nine, and then Argentina Scotland. Argentina Scotland, uh, based on last week's performance or Saturday's performance, uh, I'm going to just continue with the home team. Scotland will make a number of changes, I'm sure, and they'll come with a new strategy. But uh, Argentina by, let's say, four. I've got Argentina by six. Yeah, Ronnie. And then just a quick look at the the world rankings now that we've wrapped up that game. You know, you mentioned it to me before we started recording that the Springboks can't earn any world ranking points from this series against Wales. They can certainly lose a lot of them, though. So don't... They can lose a lot. Yeah, because Wales are ranked ninth overall. Springboks remain in first. New Zealand kicked Ireland down and France is now in third place. So New Zealand back up to second behind the box and not very far at all. Hey, we're on 90.61. They're on 89.72. So yeah, it's a little it's a little bit concerning though, if you know we cannot gain any points. So whatever we have here, that's the highest we're gonna get. Um, we can't gain more points. We can certainly lose and we can lose it a lot. We can it will be an expensive loss if we lose against Wales in terms of the points. Uh, but New Zealand can gain points from the matches against Ireland. So if both teams win, so you know, if if New Zealand win three from three and we win uh, three from three as well, New Zealand could uh, could take that top spot though, um, purely based on their their competition being better ranked than ours. This is true. And England dropping down to sixth place. If England lose to Australia this weekend and Argentina beat Scotland, England are going to be ranked seventh. This brings <laughs> Look, we've also, listen, listen, we've also been seventh though. So, you know, we've, we've seen some very hard times as Springbok supporters. So yeah, it's, it's not, let's not, let's not jinx anything here. Let's just kind of skim over all of this and move on to the next topic. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough, Ronnie. So what are you doing for us today? Are we ranting? Are we raving? I'm expecting a rave because we had a lack of time on Saturday, but I know you, so what, what, what are we in for? All right, so I don't really know if this is a rant or a rave, but uh, I'm going to ask you to just refrain from uh, cutting me off there like you like to do and just listen to what I have to say here. I've got I've got something to say. Sorry, so what? There, so, so please mute your mic there. Um, you know, over the seasons, I have often said that I believe in certain players when the absolute vast majority and consensus of the rugby fandom vehemently disagree with me. I've often maintained that Kerwin is a great player. He has shown moments of sheer brilliance. But yes, after many seasons, I believe we and he need to go back to the drawing board because something is not working. And this isn't just for Kerwin. I just use Kerwin as an example, but this extends to Elton as well. This past weekend, Someone shouted at me and asked how I can possibly think Elton is a good player. And I believe I need to unpack this just a little bit more. <laughs> We're yeah, well so into a rant here, Ronnie. I've asked you to shut your mouth, please. Um, as South Africans, our happiness is inexplicably linked to the performance of our rugby teams and especially our national rugby team. 
the Springboks. People all around the world maintain that we are an insufferable bunch of fans. And yes, I can understand why, but this is purely because we are so incredibly vocal and passionate about our teams, selection strategies, and game day performances. We have absolutely no scum to express ourselves in the strongest terms on any public forum. However, we can often lose sight of the big picture, which we must really try not to do as South Africans and throw the baby out of the bathwater. We can all agree Elton had a subpar performance on the weekend, but can honestly can we honestly say that the scenario that he found himself in would not have transpired in anything other than a subpar performance? Can we truly say that? If we take a step back, we need to ask what the big picture plan is. I believe Elton's performance can be attributed to two things. Number one, Elton has not had sufficient and quality game time marshalling a team at 10 in a very long time, both for the Springboks and also for his, in his domestic rugby after an injury and also the fact that his team was eliminated before playoffs. That's point number one. Point number two, Elton's style no longer suits that of the Springboks. He is chaotic. Not necessarily a bad thing, but it doesn't work well when you have a chaotic Fafta Klerk playing at nine as well. And he can be flashy with no-look passes in a free-flowing and dynamic game. This just simply does not gel with the physical and defensively dominant, brutal, and momentum-based strategy that we use as South Africans. We milk the strategy week in and week out. So Elton's, unfortunately, does not gel well with how the Springboks strategy is. Does this make him a bad player? I do not think so. It just makes him incredibly unsuited to what we need at a 10 for the Springboks. Perhaps we need to. Sooner rather than later, have Elton step into a mentoring role, assisting in developing the new team. Mentoring uh, what, Ronald? Assisting and developing a new team to step oh, in as no. backup for Pollard. Because as it stands, we are in real trouble if Pollard goes down with a long-term injury. We just simply do not have a team that suits the Springbok strategy and, and, and the Springbok take on how rugby should be played. Listen so, here. Elton, I'm, so, I'm sorry, my friend, but maybe... Maybe your time is, is up. That is the most worked up I've ever seen you, Ronald. You got a lot off your chest there. But how can you even consider having Elton mentor someone to be Pollard's backup when he can't even do it himself? Look, Elton's seen some hard times. He knows what, what it feels like to be down and out. And he can, he can absolutely... T- he's been in that Springbok uh, uh, camp for long enough now to know how it works. He can say to a player, look, you're going to... You know the strategy that they're asking you to play. This is this is the, this and that, and you need to understand this is how the Springboks work, and maybe encourage them and help them with kicking and what. I, I go back to what uh, what um, what's that uh, eighth man that used to play uh, um, Bobby Skinstead. Go back to what he said, where he said, "If there is a role, and I know you laugh, I can see you laughing there. If there is a role that you could foresee me." Uh, Oh, in your squad. <laughs> if, if there is a role that you can foresee me fulfilling in your squad to contribute in any sort of way, uh, I'll do that. So, you know, maybe Elton needs to uh, do exactly that. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to bite my tongue further on this topic. I've, I've made my views very public. Oh, Ronnie, that was definitely a rant. There's no, no question about it. I thought it was well-structured, my argument. I even wrote it down. So, Ronnie, what do you have for our, from our Super Brew pool? Who's winning us? Who's winning it from us there? All right. So, we've got a July International Super Brew Super Brew pool running. I think Nick will post what the pool name is uh, on social media and let you know what all of that's about. Or can uh, you but... use can you use edit swab in a sentence, Ronald? 
So edit swab. Um, no, I'll, I'll think of it. I'll come, I'll come with a clever response next week. All right. So uh, as mentioned, uh, Nick has, has got three rugby ball lights, which I'll tell you all about in a moment. But the top three that finish in our pool will be getting that, provided that they like and subscribe on Instagram and Facebook. So definitely we'll have a look at, at your Super Brew finish and the top three that are also that have liked and subscribed Instagram, Facebook, you will be getting those rugby ball lights sent to you and that you are living in South Africa, I believe. And um, so we'll start off at the bottom in third place. We've got uh, Jade Miller, AKA Jade, who's on 12.5 uh, points um, separating. There's actually quite, there's actually a number of people on 12.5, but uh, the total differential margin separates them. Uh, in second place, we've got Duduzo Makoba, AKA Stu. Also on 12.5, uh, as I mentioned, better total differential margin. Uh, in first place, we've got Anton Marie, a.k.a. Anton, who is on 12.75 <laughs> points. Uh, and Anton's three calls, which I think are, it's, it's important to unpack, he got three spot-on calls. So he got maximum points for three of his calls, which is, you know, those bonus points are going to help you. That's pretty he got Grand Slam. He, he got the two Grand Slam points for eight out of eight wins. Uh, but he only he only earned four margin points, so only half the games that he that he get the margin right. So I think those those bonus points and uh, the grandstand points made up for his lack of margin points. But well done, Anton Marie. Let's see if you're a, a one week wonder and if you can retain top spot or somebody else is going to uh, usurp you at that uh, at that position. Yeah, um, guys. So we... smash that like button and you could win with us if you keep participating in the super group pool. Uh, but because the, we host the show, we also get to always mention ourselves. And I thought this is an important segment to add in every podcast. Uh, this week's not going my way. It is going Nick's way. So uh, is it really? Nick, a.k.a. Nick, a.k.a. the rugby punted on in the July Internationals uh, punted uh, group, whatever it's called. You are 95th. And I, Ronnie, a.k.a. Ronnie, am sitting on 167th. So uh, we may, I may be beating... I may be beating you in one of these other pools that we play with uh, our close friends, but in the big pool that seems to matter and for us to win these lights, you 95th and I'm 167th, so I've got some work to do to catch up, but I'm sure it'll, it'll change. That's why I'm mentioning it now so that I can mention it later when I am beating you. Yeah, Ronnie, well, I'm glad. I didn't know I was in the lead, so you've given me some good news this evening. Jumping straight into Saturday then, you know, we've changed it up a bit for the internationals. I'm going to be covering one of the, the debutants or potential debutants for the weekend. And I chose Dion Free to cover purely because it's actually incredibly impressive how he has reached where he has. He is 35 years old and to have gotten your first Springbok call up at that age and now to be making your debut is honestly an incredible achievement. Just to, to show you how far back we have to look to when he started his career, it was 2006 he started for Western Province in the Stormers, playing along guys like uh, Skulk Berger and Andres Becker and all these guys that are retired from the game and here Dion Free still is. He was with Province from 2006 to 2014, earned 174 caps for them there. Then he went on to Lyon from 2014 to 2019, further 91 caps, played for Grenoble for two years, 42 caps. So in total, Dion Free has played 327 first-class games in his career before he got to the stage of a Springbok call-up. But even more impressive for me is that he scored 295 points. It's and he, pri he primarily played at hooker. That's so what you're saying, how, how old is he now? Have you, have you mentioned that? 35. 
So what you're saying for you and me, there's a chance we could still play Springboks. There's a chance, but we need to get 327 games behind us <laughs> and 295 points. No, oh, it's only like three professional games a week. Yeah. Dion Free, very impressed by you, backing you all the way. I'm sure your family's so keen to see you. And he's just signed a two-year extension with Western Province and the Stormers. So he's, he's going to be around for a while still. Yeah, good on him. I mean, I'm very chuffed for him. Well done. I mean, if you, if you, every, every, every person that plays rugby at some point wishes they and imagines himself playing for Springboks and he's going to get a shot. May have been late in his career, but you know what? Don't give up and become a Springbok. Lucky everybody, shot for joining us this week. We were super excited to cover the Bok game and we're very, very keen to head down to Bloemfontein. Catch us here every Wednesday. Ronnie and I will take you through the games, take you through what's coming up in the weekend. And yeah, check you next week, Wednesday. Mm-hmm.